This episode is supported by Facebook Ignite. Facebook Ignite will not only save you money on social media services, but it will bring you in hundreds of future new patients and thousands in production. Dr. Anissa Holmes will teach you and your team how to grow your practice with Facebook so you can stop wasting money on expensive marketing that doesn't work. Dr. Nunez is getting 50 new patients a month from Facebook. Dr. Andagi only spent $2.40 and got 8 new patients. Dr. Shea stopped paying for social media services and saved thousands for her practice and is growing her page quickly, organically, and engaging with more people than ever before. Go to deliveringwild.com forward slash TDM to find out more information and also receive $100 off. That's deliveringwild.com forward slash TDM. Welcome to the making of Smile & Co, a series about Dr. Ashley Hoves, a dentist in Folsom, California, creating her dental practice literally from scratch. She is starting with only a building that she has to completely remodel and reconstruct. She has zero existing patients. She's new to the community and has no ownership of any other existing practice. She quit her job as an associate weeks before episode one was recorded. And I am documenting every single step in real time. Listen. Join in and engage with us as we hear all of Dr. Ashley Hovez's ups and downs and everything in between. This is a series for everyone, especially the ones looking to chase their dreams. Sometimes we tell ourselves, emotions shouldn't play a role in our business. Heck, there are even famous quotes based off this thought process. Quotes like, emotions have no place in business unless you do business with them. Or another quote, no matter the situation, never let your emotions overpower your intelligence. But is there an exception? What about emotional intelligence? What about our gut feeling? Listen to what Robert Kiyosaki said, and I quote, Emotions are what makes us human, makes us real. The word emotion stands for energy and motion. Be truthful about your emotions and use your mind and emotions in your favor, not against yourself, unquote. Could learning to use our emotions actually help us to succeed versus being something that gets in our way? Well, according to Inc.com, there is no such thing as a purely logical decision. The brain uses a combination of logic and emotion when making decisions of any kind. That specific emotion, innate to us as humans, is intuition. We possess the capacity to feel and thereby the ability to know things without consciously reasoning. The gut feeling is real, and we use it all the time. But going with our gut, however, implies uncertainty and does not always guarantee a good outcome. Could that possibly be the case with Smile & Co? Or could this be a true testament that going with your gut, your intuition, your emotions, can and possibly needs a place in business. 
if you feel that in your heart of hearts you can provide a service that you know that the patients just want and and you treat patients that with respect and honesty like maybe i'm naive but there, there there's always going to be a place in the market for a good heart and good service and and people people who really aim to just treat people well This week has been an interesting week for Dr. Hovis. Just because we have a goal, a vision, a dream, doesn't mean it's just lying there, ready for us to take it and accomplish it. No. There's always obstacles. There always has been, always will be. And these obstacles can be monumental. They could be either financial obstacles, physical obstacles, mental, emotional obstacles. And they come in many shapes, forms, and sizes. But what obstacles are standing in the way this week? Let's find out. So far, I've done a lot of the not sexy stuff, like a lot of paperwork, a lot of um, just returning all my emails that I've been putting off my inbox. I literally had 300 unread messages in my inbox. So I finally got through all of that. Um, and, and just setting up all these other different accounts and, and, um, meeting with my CPA to go over QuickBooks. Um, and I've, I, I don't even balance, <laughs> I don't even balance my personal checkbook. So this is this is this is gonna be new for me. So um, yeah, I I like to be the visionary and like think big grand thoughts. And when it comes to all like the detail oriented stuff with numbers, especially, it's it's just not something I'm into. But I know that as a business owner, like I have no choice in the matter. Mm-hmm. So especially as a startup, hopefully when I can get more cash flow that's going to be one of the first things that I'm going to be delegating out. The paperwork. Yes, the paperwork. So what it's is... so not fun returning emails at all hours of the day and night. What does that involve, all the paperwork? Um, let's see. I'm, I'm looking at my planner. So I had to go over fees with Wells Fargo. What, what kind of fees are you paying with Wells Fargo? Um, so... <clears throat> nothing real major so basically when i had um when i had set up my account they had told me that um that they were going to cover the wiring fees that, um so you have a, a wiring fee when you close escrow it's it's not that big a deal it was like $30 and then when i went in to look at my account balance it was still there and they said that they were going to waive that and just for future wire transfers, I thought that that wouldn't be an issue. So that's something that I wanted to clear. And then when my accountant and I were setting up QuickBooks, she noticed that um, she couldn't, like when uh, when I clicked on the images, 
for what the deposit slips look like. Mm -hmm. She noticed that I didn't have access to them because it said that a separate fee was um, was was um, needing to be charged. I think every time you open up like and you want detailed images of I guess any like your your checks or what have you, uh, mm. they have to charge you I think four dollars per transaction. Hmm. So I didn't know that. So so I called Wells Fargo. I said, Hey, do I really have to pay four dollars every time I want to see where exactly like my money came from? And then the guy said, Yeah, unfortunately, but um, there's ways around that. So he said that if I contact him directly every time, I want to know in depth details that he can give me the report, which isn't very convenient on either yeah. of our ends, but neither is paying $4 every time I want to take a look, so. Yeah, that's true. I had to call the dental board again. So um, last last time I had mentioned that I had lost the name Smile Bar, mm -hmm. and um, I had contacted the dental board because I had literally just filed for my my fictitious name permit, which was almost $600, and I thought, okay, well, um, now that <clears throat> I know that I can't use Smile Bar, let me just give them a call and just have them transfer it to my new name, which is Smile & Co. And um, I went back and forth with the board because they are not the greatest at returning calls. Like, I had to call um, the board three or four times and I had left messages and um, finally she called me back and she had said something about her manager didn't approve the whole like um, name switching so I had to pay again so that's kind of frustrating especially since literally all all they have to change is like three letters <laughs> Like, smile bar, smile and co. It's really only three letters. I said, okay, fine, whatever. You guys win. Um, so and then I want to make things. You have to pay twelve hundred. Yeah, so it's almost wow. yeah, it's almost twelve hundred dollars for that measly three letter difference. Isn't that amazing? Gosh. And they have just cashed my check a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so I was like, really? You can't just hit backspace on your computer like three times and put in the ampersand and co dot. Here, let me do it for you. But um, yeah, so it's just, it's definitely a learning lesson. So if you are looking at doing um, any kind of fictitious name uh, permits or business permits, make sure that your name is not trademarked. Let's see. I had to set up my foothill... Um, fire security and monitoring service. So basically the building that I purchased was just completely outdated. Um, and um, because I took everything down to the studs, it was the perfect opportunity to get digital everything, including mm -hmm. monitoring, um, the security monitoring and fire monitoring. So I've been back and forth with um, a local company, they're called Foothill Fire Monitoring, and they basically they want to upgrade the whole system. So that's going to be thirty-eight hundred for mm -hmm. that. And I have I had to set up 
or actually not set up. I had to cancel a bunch of other mistakes that I've been. <laughs> so I've been learning a lot so far. So basically, when I took over the building, the owner was trying to do me um, like a service, and and he spent some time with me on the phone, just going over all of the different companies that I had to call and reach out to to just transfer over my name um, instead of getting a cancellation service and then a whole new setup charge for being a new user. So he he walked me through all the different accounts that was um, that that he had. so so I was um, I was on top of that and I called them right away and one of the first ones was the security monitoring which is a, a separate entity from the fireside mm -hmm. and they said well you know well uh, we're gonna have to have a technician come out to the space this was before all the demolition was started right so a technician came out and because he came out he he did all the other testing and then he, he had to have me sign a new contract in order to maintain the service so I thought okay well let me just sign a contract and it's like 10 pages long and I know I should read the fine print but honestly I'm not gonna read 10 pages of fine print like I'm just gonna sign it and because I signed it I had to extend that contract for two years um, and that contract it was a it was an older system that uses a landline so I had to keep AT&T on this really old landline. So I, I signed a contract with AT&T, but in a nutshell, everything was taken down to the stud. So they rip, ripped out all the monitoring, they ripped out like the telephone stuff. And so now I'm paying these monthly charges because I didn't even take that into consideration when I was on the phone with them and, and signing my name on the dotted line for all these contracts. So then I had to call them back and now pay a cancellation fee for, for all these these contracts. So, yeah, I, I've I've been wasting a lot of monthly monthly payments, and now the cancellation fees that I've I've had to backtrack on. And it's it's honestly it's it's stuff that you don't really think about. Like as a business owner, well, at least starting out, I thought you know, like I just I'm, I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna listen. I'm just gonna call all the people that I need to contact and then get things figured out and yeah not think things through so so some t a lot of money and time wasted on all this back end stuff so i i i had mentioned to you that i purchased the building and and now i'm i'm writing checks for the rent i mean which is to myself but it's still paying rent from one account to the other and it's paying utilities and all the um, the water and all this stuff. So now that I'm signing checks every month and it's still demolition and I have no patience in it's it's really taking a toll on my sleep. I had mentioned last week that I wasn't sleeping very well because of all the things that I'm thinking about and and that's definitely something that has been on my mind and that's why I've been just um, just debating back and forth in my head about what I'm going to do with equipment and, and you know, where is the balance between what I think patients are going to appreciate and, and patients like, like what, what do they, what are they drawn to? That's a good question. Does a dental chair matter that much? Is it that noticeable? Well, 
FirstImpressionsMag.com says a good dental chair can enhance the patient experience. Well, we know that, but why? What's the main purpose of a great dental chair? Comfort. The article says it's one of the first things patients notice when they ease themselves into the chair for their dental exam. Comfort. A high quality chair that looks and feels professional can leave a lasting impression on the dentist's clientele. But hold on, don't be fooled. A high-end dental chair doesn't do it all. In fact, it won't do much of anything if you, your team, and your dental practice's culture don't provide this comfort first. Nobody leaves a review on Yelp, Google, or Facebook saying the dentist, the specific team member, or the whole practice made me feel uncomfortable. But I stayed for the chairs. You need to provide comfort first. Exactly. And um, my husband was, I mean, he, he's such a smart guy and, <laughs> and he's going to listen to this and he's, he's going to be nodding his head like, yeah, you <laughs> listen to me. But basically, so I told him when I came back from the convention, I said, you know, like, oh my gosh, I fell in love with this chair and it's just so amazing. It has all the bells and whistles. Like patients are going to be just completely like over the moon like it's gonna be like a shocker right and um, and and my husband said like honestly I don't think patients know what to look for when it comes to dental equipment and I said no you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> patients are so well educated so then we went out to dinner with a couple of friends like just different groups and that was the first thing that I would ask them like hey what what do you notice about your dentist and like, do you look at the chair? Do you look at, um, you know, the technology? And it's so amazing because I think nine out of 10 said, I look at the chair to see if there are any cracks in the, mm -hmm. the and that was basically it. And then they talked <laughs> mostly about the ambience of the office. Like, did it make them feel invited, invited? Like, how did the team greet them when they first walked in? Like, so that was that was basically all that they had mentioned. So, so it really got me thinking. Like, maybe I don't need to be spending three times as much on, on the on the operatory, especially now that you know I I purchased the building and and it's an added expense that a lot of startups don't have to deal with, um, and and just being smart about making wise choices and 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 where the budget goes. Mm hmm. So what chairs were you looking to get before? So um, I had mentioned earlier that I fell in love with the Serona Intego chairs. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they are they really are amazingly built. The technology is all like just incorporated into like the um, what, what is it called? The intraoral camera. They have it integrated with um, endo and implants and then they have this whole um like every time you use a handpiece they have this thing where you plug in your handpiece and it it flushes the lines mm, nice. for you after each patient so that's that's what i was really like impressed by um but i mean it's 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 a lot it's a lot mm -hmm. per operatory and as a startup i just you know, like you worry about how fast you're going to 
grow and how fast you're going to get patients in the door. And I mean, in my city, there are, I think, 65 dentists that serve 70,000 um, 70, patients. So 65? Uh, yes. Oh, okay. 65. I think from the last um, demographics report, that's what I had, had seen. So this is demographic work. A lot of dentists, especially starting from scratch, want to know the perfect spot to put their dental practice. Is there enough patients around? Is there too much competition around them, etc.? But in order to figure this out, you need a demographic report. You need to be precise. Who can do this? How can they do this? And where can you find it? I was curious. But more on that a little later. The dentist to population ratio isn't, isn't the greatest. I'm not in the middle of the country where people drive you know, 20 miles to see their dentist. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a lot of fierce competition out here, but, but that's also one of the selling points that, um, the Serona rep and, and my equipment rep were, were, um, were telling me like, this is something that nobody in your area has. Like there's only one other practice in Midtown that has the Serona chairs. And, um, I mean, her practice is amazing. And, and she's doing really well. But she also came from um, a different place. She had purchased a practice. And then this was for her upgraded practice, I think, four or five years after she had grown her, her patient base. So are you looking at new equipment now? or has Because um, I know people are approaching you. So what are you taking into consideration now as far as equipment-wise? Funny you mention that because I had just met with a, a different equipment specialist um, this morning at the site and um, he was recommended to me by my mom who's an office manager of a dental office in the Bay Area and after I had told her so after I had told her what um, the Serona chair and the bid was costing me she said you know what like that's that's pretty crazy let me send my guy up to you so he drove up here um, and, um, he gave me a quote for Belmont and I was actually looking at Belmont because they are, um, you know, just really well-made chairs and, and they're not like super high end range of the budget. Like I, I read a lot on dental town and it seems that they are one of the best for mid range, um, mid-range um, chairs mm -hmm. that, that are just known for reliability. So <clears throat> so he brought the, um, the Belmont rep with him. And um, we just went down um, list or like, like line item by line item. And in a nutshell, his quote that he gave me was a hundred grand less than the Serona, which, I mean, we're not talking peanuts. Yeah, so yeah, that's a lot. A hundred grand is... It's a, it's a big chunk of change, and I don't know how anybody could turn that down. And, chunk and that's of change? Awesome. That's like a Porsche right there. Oh, my gosh. I know. Seriously. And if you think about 100 grand, especially paid out over, um, over time. So my interest rate through Wells Fargo. But how did she come to make a decision with Wells Fargo? I'm not the only one who's been wanting to know this. Lately, we've been getting quite a bit of questions about this how she talked to the banks and how she came with the final decision to choose Wells Fargo so I asked I was in a different situation because 
I had taken last year off from maternity leave. So we ha I had just given birth to uh, my second son and we moved to LA and I for that whole year I didn't have income. Uh, I mean I picked up a couple um, temp jobs here and there but I literally I just stayed home for the most part and the banks saw that as as risky so to speak mm -hmm. so even though I had graduated eight years ago from NYU they and I had all the income before this past year to prove my you know what I could produce they still were very like hesitant about giving me um backing so my my husband had to be my guarantor um, my husband is a physician, so um, mm -hmm. he didn't, I mean, he was a fellow, so he, his income wasn't that great. We all know how much residents and fellows make, so, but the fact that he had that income and he has the potential income, they were, that made the banks at ease. So basically, I had a guarantor. So I'm, I'm telling you this because if you are a new grad or like a recent grad, we were basically lumped in the same boat. They they didn't take into account all of my other years of practice because of that last year. So where there's a will, there's a way. So keep getting funding or keep fighting for funding for for all you dentists out there. Okay, that was my plug. So um, <laughs> so my husband was my guarantor, and um, I I was reading just a ton of threads on Dental Town just about all of the the bank the banking process and like what it is to get started. So initially I had just reached out to a few banks um, with my contact information and, and my my idea that I wanted to do a startup. And then they actually called me back right away. Um, but they said, you know, even with a guarantor, we we don't normally require this, but we recommend that you have a business plan just so we know that we're not just giving you half a million dollars and and you not know what to do with it. So, mm -hmm. um, so I, that was that was um, great advice, and that is going to be my advice to anyone listening too. Because I, I think with Bank of America, you don't need one at all. But if you can show that you took the time and really, you know. Um, really put your ideas down on paper. Mm -hmm. It shows that you're serious about this and you're serious about making it, it work. Um, and not only that, it helps um, guide you through, oh yeah, like what marketing am I going to do and, and how am I going to differentiate myself in a competitive market? Um, so that's another reason why I, I would strongly recommend it. It just, it just helps you narrow down your goals. So after I did the business plan and I, I had submitted that to three separate banks, it was Wells Fargo, um, Bank of America, first, actually, sorry, four, um, First Citizens and Bank of the West. Yes. Okay. I submitted to four. And, um, and after I, I sent out my business plan, it's pretty awesome because even the guy from Bank of the West, mm -hmm. it was a 45-page business plan. So mm -hmm. it was it was not like, oh, I'm, I'm going to open up shop and give free toothbrushes. Like <laughs> I literally – I had graphs in there. Like I, I looked at my um, 
projections for not only the first year, but for the first three years based off of how many days I would be open based on my hours of, you know. Did anybody uh, help you with that or, or how'd you? Yeah, so, um, so I had mentioned um, on our very first interview, one of my friends, Forrest, uh, Forrest had told me about this um, website called liveplan.com, L-I-V-E-P-L-A-N.com. And um, it was the best resource. And and they, um, I mean, they charge monthly for it. And this is how mm-hmm. you get away with it because I think it's $20 a month. He said, Ashley, make your plan and then cancel after the first month. <laughs> I'll cancel after you're done because you can, I know it's so shady, but I mean, you're a starter. <laughs> you, have, you have no money. They'll understand. You can pay them back later. So after you... Um, create your business plan like because it, it's a template they mm-hmm. walk you through like so basically they'll say okay um where do you want to start off with in three sentences describe what you're trying to do and describe your marketing and who is your target marketing so it it really helps you right so um so that was my business plan and after i had submitted that um the the guy from bank of the west i guess he they require a business plan, just so you know. Um, mm. And so he he sees a ton of business plans, and he called me and he said, "That was the nicest business plan I've ever I've ever seen for dental." So he said, "Can I actually use yours for uh, a model?" Huh. So I said, "As long as you erase my my name," I said, "That's fine." So um, so that was that was such a compliment, and mm. and and it's great because not only. Did it help me narrow down what I wanted to achieve with my startup and and create this vision for Smile & Co.? But it also let the banks know exactly what you're trying to achieve. And if they are on board with your plan and they think that, you know, you, you really are on to something, they are going to fight tooth and nail for your business. So it was awesome. Like I sent it out to all the banks and they – I would get a um, um, a breakdown of the terms that they wanted versus balloon payments, graduated payments, um, all the you know the interest rates fixed versus variable, and paying a point up front. All this stuff, mm-hmm. all this stuff that you're gonna find out like as you go along. Um, and and whenever I would get something back, I would go to the next bank and say, Hey, this is what Bank of America is offering. What can you do? And it was awesome. So, hmm. so that's how you get banks to compete. So, um, so make a business plan. <laughs> I'm get, sorry, I'm really congested again. Do you get congested like as you keep speaking, or? So I I've actually been congested throughout this whole time, but whenever I get um, excited, <laughs> it makes <laughs> it makes me more congested. So I'm really trying hard not to build up excitement, but. Anybody who knows me knows that's like telling fire not to be hot. Like I just so, uh-huh. I just have so many plans, and that's you know that's how I am. Like I just I'm just an excitable person. I don't know. Like <laughs> the day you open your practice, it's congestion. Hello. <laughs> it's gonna be so. I hope I hope that Claritin or Zyrtec will like offer me sponsorships because I would I would make a great spokesperson. <laughs> But then Wells Fargo is the one that gave you the best offer, right? Yes, yes. Uh, they had um, 
the best terms. They had the best rate. And, oh, gosh, their their customer service is so good. Um, I worked with Andrew Ventura, and he is amazing. Hey, Michael, what's going on, buddy? That's Andrew Ventura, Ashley's banker from Wells Fargo. He actually did so much, pulled strings and was able to beat out other banks. And we'll hear about it right now. But first, let's thank our supporters for the show. Guys, Facebook Ignite is where it's at. Go to deliveringwild.com forward slash TDM. If you by any chance don't know what Facebook Ignite is, let's read some reviews. Humberto Nunez says, do you want results? Open only six months, 150 new patients a month, $1 million in track in my first year open, 84,000 in monthly collections. Thanks to who? Dr. Anissa Holmes and her Facebook Ignite program. He got 50 new patients from Facebook alone. Let's read another review. Thanks Anissa for sharing your knowledge. We started on Tuesday with the New Year New You campaign promotion and in two days we got eight new patients. The best part is we only spent $2.40. That was Dr. Shakila Angadi from Pennsylvania who said that. Guys, Facebook Ignite literally teaches you how to attract patients through Facebook in the best way possible. You get so much. You get four weeks Facebook Ignite masterclasses, instant Facebook ads, Facebook targeting secrets, Facebook messenger secrets, lifetime access to the Facebook Ignite community. You get so much more. But the best part, I personally believe, is that you get unlimited access to Dr. Anissa Holmes. You get unlimited access to the creator of this program. That means no more guessing, no more buying a product and hoping it's gonna work out and seeing if it's gonna bring you results, maybe a couple new patients here, a couple new patients there. No, Dr. Anissa Holmes literally holds your hand throughout the whole process, so we make sure you succeed. If you're really looking to increase your new patient flow in the simplest way possible and get the best ROI, go ahead and go to deliveringwild.com forward slash TDM and just look at the reviews. Look at all the information it has to provide for you. If you use that link as well, deliveringwild.com forward slash TDM, you get $100 off Facebook Ignite. Let's read one last review. Sarah, an office manager, says, I created an ad and it just ended. Five days, $29 spent, 15 likes, 26 offers accepted, two phone calls which equaled 9200 in revenue. Wow, what other program gives you that much ROI? $29 spent and you get 9200 in return. This is amazing, guys. So go ahead, go to deliveringwow.com forward slash TDM. That's deliveringwow.com forward slash TDM to learn more about Facebook Ignite and also get $100 off. That's deliveringwow.com forward slash TDM. So if you're in Northern California, you have to work with Andrew. Um, he he got me a, a fixed rate of 3.8%, I believe. So initially it was 3.6, um, but because I had dragged my, my feet and I, I got really scared about doing a whole startup in California because of, of the landscape here. It's just so saturated. Mm -hmm. Um, the interest rate had gone up to 
five and a half percent when I had looked at it again. And Wells Fargo, came, so even though I had signed my um, my contract with them, this was back in last June, I believe. Um, even though I had signed with them, they said, you know, honestly, that you already missed the window of time where where we can offer this to you. So they they bumped up my rates and um, they said like we have to go with with the market value now and and it's at five and a half percent and I called Andrew and I said Andrew listen like you know me and and you know why I was dragging my feet and you also know that I had two other banks competing for my business and and the reason why Wells Fargo had won out was because one I was working with Andrew and he, his team was amazing. But two, they were able to um, give me that incredible rate at 3.6%, which at the time, um, their initial fee, I, their initial rate they had quoted was like four something, I think. So if you are looking at doing a startup, make sure to get bids from different banks because those banks will be competing um, not only in interest rates, but also in just the payments. Um, and, and Wells Fargo was able to, um, give me the best at, at all of the above. So, um, when I contacted Andrew about, you know, like, Hey, what can you do about this? He was able to work his magic and they brought, um, the rate down back to 3.8. So it did go up a little bit, but it wasn't the five and a half percent, which even the vice president at one of the other banks said, yeah, we can't even touch that. I was so curious to see exactly how Andrew did everything, how he was able to beat out all the other banks. So I called him to find out. So I'd actually been working with Ashley for about a year before uh, the point we find ourselves at today where she's pulling the trigger and making this thing happen. So she and I started talking with this idea that, hey, she wanted to start a practice from scratch. And and like a lot of our clients, they've got this idea, but they don't know really how to how to get from here to there. And so the first thing that we did was we did a pre-qualification, which takes a look at her expenses, her personal expenses, the housing, student loans, any car loans, things like that. What we're doing is we're building a profile of what this doctor needs to live off of. And then using some of the metrics that we've understood in the industry, we can kind of back into a responsible number that she can spend on her practice and still be okay financially. Mm -hmm. We're using some reasonable projections of what she's going to do in the first year. We're looking at any supplemental income streams from maybe working a side job as an associate for the first uh, year or, or however long it takes this thing to get off the ground. So, so we're aggregating all of these different financial variables and basically coming back and saying, hey, Ashley, I think as long as you spent around this much, and this was kind of your budget, you're going to be fine. And that's, I think the question that, that is underlying most of these conversations is, am I going to be okay financially? And that's what we're here to do. So, uh, so we set a budget of sorts, and, and that became the framework for her shaping the rest of her project. And over the course of that year, she looked for the right opportunities. She actually at some point said, you know, am I doing the right thing? Should I buy a practice instead? Mm -hmm. And we have the ability to say, okay, hey, look, Ashley, if you're looking at a practice, send me the financials. Let me take a look because buying a practice is a little bit different. 
right? You've yeah. got a, an established financial performance that we can look at. So we looked at some and said, hey, look, if you bought this one, you'd be okay. If you bought this one, uh, it may not be enough money for you, but, but you just tell me what you want to do. And I think ultimately she understood that building her own practice allows her to execute on the vision that she had. And mm-hmm. she's a great person to talk to. I really enjoyed working with her because she's, she's a she's got a great vision for what she wants to do and a great personality that drives that thing forward. So, uh, at some point she said, Hey, I've settled on a space. This is what I think I want to do. And it was a lease space. And, and so we said, Hey, look, get a, get a construction budget together, get an equipment and technology budget together. Let's figure out how much you need for working capital. And we made sure that that fit within that budget. Remember that dollar amount where she's still going to be okay financially. Um, it fit. Her vision was able to be built around this this budget that we've both come up with together to say, hey, look, this is the responsible amount, right? Mm-hmm. And then she shifts gears. <laughs> she goes, well, it's a lease space, but I think I want to own my own building. Now, that creates a layer of complexity for financing because now I'm not just financing the the uh, – the interior improvements, the equipment, the working capital, but now we need to work in and layer in this this real estate purchase. So we brought in some other colleagues from within the bank to to deliver on a real estate financing solution as well as the loan for the uh, for the new office. And so what you often find is this two loan solution, one loan for the real estate and then one loan for the for the office. and then the final step in, in you know, because Ashley, frankly, Ashley had options and she had to weigh her, uh, you know, her choices as far as who she would go with for a lender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of what I do, Michael, is is I help them widen that set of criteria because I think the fault of most consumers that are looking at lending is they look at too few of a set of variables. They look at rate and maybe upfront cost and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. and so what Ashley and I did was we built a program that pays heed to all of the different considerations she should make. We talked about prepayment policies and whether or not she wanted a loan with no prepayment policies, which frankly is is uh, conventional wisdom with lending. I want something with no prepayment penalties, but. But knowing that she's a new office that's really got a lot in front of her in terms of where she's going to put her finances, we figured out together that, hey, look, if she accepted some prepayment limitation that still fit within the business plan, she could realize some better rates and other, like a better structured program. So we went through things like, you know, upfront cost and prepayment policies and whether the rate was fixed for the whole term or fixed for part of the term. And and in widening her set of criteria, I think we ultimately came up with a loan program Mm -hmm. that fits her and it fit her vision for what she was trying to do. And, and, uh, and so Thankfully, she saw that and a number of other resources that we bring to doctors and said, hey, Wells Fargo's my bank. Yeah. And then so a lot of people kind of feel iffy or denied because of their student loans. And, you know, for example, like she didn't work for a year. How did how did you guys kind of see pass through that? Yeah. Well, look, student loan debt is one of the better debts to have. If you got to have it, nobody wants to have it. Right. But Mm -hmm. but student loans, uh, especially in the dental industry, they just connote an income earning potential. Now, the way that student loans impact one's ability to borrow for a dental office is really it boils down to just the monthly payment 
of the student loan. And can we insert that into this cash flow equation that we perform? So for example, if you've got, let's say, $300,000 of student loans on a 10-year repayment plan, that might be a $3,200, $3,300 a month payment. As long as the practice that they're looking to build with projections and outside income and things like that, or the practice that a doctor is looking to purchase, as long as it can support that $3,300 a month payment, we're in pretty good shape, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's just making sure that we get them into the right opportunity. Now, sometimes that monthly payment goes so high that combined with maybe a home loan and a car loan, it, it really tips the scales in favor of buying a larger practice versus starting a you know, new practice from scratch. But that's the kind of guidance and education that we're here to give, right? Mm-hmm. So the other thing about student loans that I will tell you is that income-based repayment has been really beneficial for doctors to make this leap from employee to owner, right? Because it can cut that $3,300 a month payment in half or more because it's based off of the income that the doctor is, is making. And so when we crunch that number down, it makes the math a lot easier to justify that, hey, this doctor is going to be okay. And so how'd you guys come up with the pretty much like the lowest interest rate f- compared to all the other uh, banks that were kind of competing for her? So, so here's the thing is that the interest rate tends to be that one number that exists on one side of an equal sign. If we're making a math equation out of this, there are all these other variables on the other side of it that roll up to that. So what Ashley and I did was we figured out the right program for her. Now, if that was something where she wanted that lowest interest rate possible, well, all we have to do is is manage the other factors to get her to where she wanted to be. So that number being low was important to her. Now, having said that, all of those other factors that go into that, we were able to engineer. And that's why what I tell most consumers of these, this kind of commercial lending is that, hey, look, the rate is the end result, but it's what gets you to that that's important. I had, a, um, I had an amusing story that I share with a lot of customers. I was working at a trade conference and uh, you know, work in the booth by myself, and, and uh, I was in Hawaii because I was able to uh, take that kind of assignment on. Nice. And uh, two guys roll up. To, uh, to me, and and you know, as they're still walking up, they you know they introduced themselves and, and said, "Hey, look, what's your rate?" And you have to understand that uh, I'm in Hawaii, I'm having a good time. I said, uh, <laughs> "I don't know, what do you want it to be?" And the guy, one well, guy, looks at his buddy and he turns back. He's like two percent. I'm like, "Not a problem. Let's get this done." And and he looked a bit taken aback. He said, "Wait, what? Really?" And I said, "Yeah, absolutely." And then I leaned in, really conspiratorial, and I said you may not like the other terms and conditions. And, and my point in telling this story is that, look, I can give you whatever rate you want, but it's the engineering of that product to get to that number has to be right for the practice, mm-hmm. right? Because a 2% rate might look like a three-year loan on 400 grand with four points on closing, and, and the monthly payment would bury you before you ever got off the ground. And so... Yeah. As I said earlier, it's my job to widen the set of criteria upon which doctors make a decision, you know. And and look, Ashley is a great example of the partnership that exists between your lender and and you as a small business owner, because especially in this industry, uh, 
our doctors don't get the depth of business education that they do in clinical education, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times this step into practice ownership, this is about becoming a small business owner. Uh, and, uh, and that's something that's uh, not it's not ingrained in the educational process of becoming a dentist. And so if I'm a lender that's looking to uh, help a doctor get into practice and frankly help a non-business owner become a business owner, we have to insert some value along the way. So this conversation we have with Ashley about appropriate budget setting and, and frankly, you know, providing additional resources, you know, workbooks and materials that will walk a doctor through the process of whether it's buying a practice or building something from scratch. We really have to look at this as a partnership. So we did. And I think she saw that. So what should someone yeah. look for in a lender? So, okay, so we talked about being industry-specific, but there's a whole lot of of factors that you should be considering before you make a decision, right? My job is to expand that set of criteria through education, helping doctors understand that there are implications to the choices that they can make. So I would say a lender that takes a collaborative approach that says, hey, let's talk about a couple of different options. Here's what we typically see, but here's how we can customize it, right? The other thing I will say is that I, I think doctors don't place another, uh, enough importance on the partnership or the relationship with their bank. Uh, and, and it's unfortunate. It, it's, it's part of the industry that, hey, look, the value of a lender as being a partner and what they bring to the table is only wholly felt after you've made this decision as to which bank you want to go with, right? And here's what I mean. Look, you're going to make your decision on, you know, a set of criteria, rate, upfront cost, prepayment policies, you know, reporting requirements and, and, and um, you know, construction management, things like that. How does that all work, bank? And those are the questions you should be answering. But there's also the, hey, who do I call if I ever have a challenge? Uh, how does it work with my yearly statements? Uh, what if I need to talk to somebody about some struggles that I might be having in the practice? And look, frankly, there are some doctors that struggle. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great industry to lend to, but there are folks that do have some challenges and, and how do we overcome them and how can you as a bank help me out? So investigating the value or the relationship side of the bank is really important because uh, I'll tell you, Mike, Mike on, a, on a weekly basis, I get calls, hey, I want to restructure my loan you know, and talk to you guys. Uh, I just can't stand working with my bank. And uh, mm-hmm. even though there may be some financial costs, sometimes they have a prepayment penalty, they're willing to eat that because the relationship with the bank isn't, isn't good. So, so again, it's that value thing that exists behind the decision as to which bank to go with that's important. So as much as you can dig into that as a consumer before you make your decision, hey, what's the value of this relationship? I think that's the critical question to ask. That's awesome. And so what should everyone looking to start a dental practice kind of keep in mind what should they look to do how can they make this process easy uh, I would say engage with a bank and I understand it sounds a little self-serving talk to a bank that understands the industry and I get it because I'm a guy that works for a bank that, <laughs> you know that understands the industry but uh, but truly there is a lot of benefit to working with an industry specific lender 
understanding that when you build a dental office, probably half of your project cost is going to go into something that as a bank's, you know, from a collateral perspective, it's unrecoverable. Think about it. Your construction cost for a new dental office could be 150 bucks a square foot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so if I've got, a, let's say, a $500,000 project, fully half of that is going to go to either construction or working capital or some combination of the two. So that is a, a bitter pill to swallow for a bank that doesn't understand the industry. Uh, and I think if you go at a more base level than that, understanding the industry is about helping your partner, you know, bank and doctor, make the right choices. Look, I could have used some really unreasonable projections to get Ashley a lot higher dollar amount uh, for her project if that's where she wanted to go. Thankfully, it wasn't. But how well are you going to sleep at night knowing that you've got this huge nut to crack because you borrowed too much? That's mm-hmm. what a partner does. It helps you understand and make the right decisions. Uh, and I, discuss, I, 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 I refer to it as kind of guided discovery. Look, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to give you the data upon which you're make, making a, you know, your own decision. And I think that's what partners do. Where can people find you, Andrew? Yeah, you bet. Uh, head to our website. Website is practicefinance.wellsfargo.com. I cover Northern California uh, for our company, but we've got folks like myself across the country, and I know you've got a pretty wide reach with your audience. So if you'll go there, with a few clicks, you'll get to your local version of me, and uh, give us a call. We're happy to help. So now that we have that down, let's backtrack just a little bit. And remember when she mentioned about her demographic report? How did she get that demographic report? How does someone find a great location to start their dental practice? Let's find out. So I so I went to the Breakaway Startup um, series. I think that's what it's called. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, it was it was such an incredible resource, and they had talked about how location is just so clutch. Like it's. Location, location, location above everything, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they had recommended this one company called Dentographics, and that's who I ended up using. Um, it is a company based out of Ohio, and it's really awesome because you can pinpoint, like, ex- pinpoint exactly um, where you want to practice, you can even give them, depending on what your budget is, of course, if if you want to have like a 20 mile range of, of where you can see yourself driving and all this stuff and, and they will give you a, a really detailed report of where they think you should set up um, shop and, and they have um, these circles. Um, it's hard to describe to you without showing you a picture, but basically in your target area, they have hotspots, so to speak, of all these concentric, concentric circles that overlap, and it gives you a breakdown of where the dentists tend to be um, located. Mm-hmm. So, and then they'll give you a um, a recommendation like, oh, you should be in this northwest region of your city. So, not just. Like, so I live in Folsom and I want to practice where I live. Um, So I wanted it to be Folsom, but not just that. They will show you, well, maybe you should be towards this lower left quadrant of Folsom where there's not too many doctors. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
so it was really informative. Um, and from there, I, <clears throat> I I took a look at the two least populated sides of where Folsom, um, of where all the Folsom dentists tend to congregate. So there's a main artery in Folsom. It's called East Bidwell, and basically all of the main businesses, including all of the dentists, tend to be um, aggregated right along that main artery. So I knew that I wanted not to be off of East Bidwell because you are literally vying for patients' attention. Like there's so many doctors there. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I had looked at a couple different, um, retail locations, um, not in, in those, um, particular areas. Um, and, and the reason why I chose retail, you'll, if you ever go to the course, it's because you want to be in a very highly visible location. Like, um, and you're going to be, I mean, obviously you're going to be paying a premium for your retail space, but they think of it as you're paying for marketing because if patients can see you while, you know, they're driving or while they're picking up groceries, it's, it's, um, it's good advertisement, right? So, mm -hmm. so I was looking at, um, this one retail space, which is actually right around the corner from where I live. It was in a very highly visible location right next to a grocery store, uh, right next to Rayleigh's actually. And um, we were almost under contract. We went all the way up until the day I needed to um, to sign my name on the dotted line. And, and one of the things that I had wanted was I wanted to be, uh, okay, so there's, a, there's a, another dentist in the location, but the, um, they're called pads. He's on a pad and I would be on um, like the main strip. Mm -hmm. So even though it's like the same property, you don't really see the two of them right next to each other, if that makes any sense. Gotcha. Um, so there's another dentist there and I, I, wanted, um, I wanted the right to be the only dentist after us. So... Um, so that was one thing that the, the landlord, because he knows how good, you know, dentists are as tenants, he didn't want to sign that. Like I wanted exclusivity and, um, he wasn't willing to bend on that. And, and I said, you know what? Okay, fine. I'm just going to walk away because I, I don't want there to be a third and a fourth doctor mm -hmm. space. So, um, so that's the reason why that, um, fell through and, and he actually was giving me, um, a pretty good discount for the monthly, um, the monthly rent. Um, and he had included, I think it was six months of free rent. So that yeah. would have covered my, um, my build out. Um, but it, I just, I just wasn't willing to bend on that. And then, um, there was another location that my, my broker had um, mentioned to me um, that was also on like the, f it's further along. It's, it has really good location because it's on a very busy um, thoroughfare. It's right off the freeway and it wasn't along East Bidwell. Um, but, and I'm, honestly, I would have completely 100% jumped on this location because it it was like a, a really nice space like more modern which is 
like really high ceilings and and um, floor to ceiling windows, mm-hmm. and it even had a um, a back patio that um, you could put like a bistro back there and have either patients or your team um, relax out there because there's a, a ravine. It backs to a ravine. Like um, Folsom is known for its bike trails. So there's mm-hmm. basically a bike trail and like just greenery in the back of the space. But the only thing that stopped me was there is um, an orthodontist um, who is next door to the unit and the landlord um was saying that I had to limit my orthodontic services to no more than 10% of my gross production. In a nutshell, they said, you know, like, this is the only thing that we are not going to bend on. And I said, well, you know, I, even though I love the location, I love the space. And even though, honestly, I'm not doing too much ortho now, like, who's to say I'm not going to be doing 50% 50% ortho in five or 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like what? And I've actually talked to a few dentists where because of neck injury or back injury, now they've completely switched over to ortho and then they hire an associate who does all of the general dentistry stuff. Hmm. So I just didn't want to pigeonhole myself into that situation. And I spoke to my attorney about that and he said, yeah, Ashley, if... Uh, it, it basically, if, if they ever look for your, um, like look at your books, they're, they're going to be monitoring that. Mm-hmm. And I said, really, they ha- they're going to have access to that. And he said, oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's in your contract. And I spoke to the landlord directly and he said, no, we would never do that. But you know, that you never know. Yeah. Yeah. That's if I don't have it in writing, it's, it's not something that I'm going to take a chance on. Actually, I've been in touch with the orthodontist uh, ever since that um, because I reached out to him and I said, you know, like honestly, I, I, I really value my specialists. If I do any ortho, it'll be for minor orthodontic movement. And, uh, and you would be like my go-to guy for all of my adolescents, like for all my new families. Like mm-hmm. you would be... Um, you'd be the person that I would refer to because you're right next door to me. So I want this to be a relationship where we both can benefit from. So if I didn't find um, the uh, the building that I am currently in, I actually, we had come to that agreement. Like he he ended up being a really super nice guy. And he said, yeah, like this dentistry is, oh, sorry, this profession it can feel lonely and he says and i'm glad that you're of the mindset that we can just help each other out so does this possibly mean that there's still perfect locations out there the perfect potential new patients to dentist ratio is it still out there for all of us anybody who's willing to become a dentist what did ashley do did she find a pretty good location or did she go completely against the grade i know that's not everybody wants to um, move to the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. And you're not always going to find that perfect 3,000 to 1 um, patient to dentist ratio, the ideal that you're looking for. Um, and honestly, like everything that they said, I I just did it wrong. <laughs> like they said, they said like, Oh, don't go in a saturated market. Don't do a startup in California. Um, drive far. If, 
drive to where, you know, like it's a less served area. And <laughs> I did everything like not to that because <laughs> I, I disagree. Like I think that if you live in the community where you plan on setting shop, you are there to to meet patients on uh, like not not just in the dental space but your face is there at um you know like school functions um at PTA at at all of the after school activities that your kids are going to be involved with at your church at the grocery store so i and i I, one of the things that I was not going to compromise on was I did not want to spend time in the car that I could spend with my 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 family. Mm-hmm. Like, like if I'm already busting my butt to get this startup off the ground, I didn't want to commute an hour each way. Um, you know, I mean, it was a great hour each way because I got to listen and learn from a ton of podcasts, but. I, I want to spend that time with my boys. Um, so, so I am a fan of, of working where you live and, and not, you know, just loving your commute each day. And I plan on being completely accessible to my patients. Like I think as a mom, when I go to take my boys to their pediatrician, one of my biggest pet peeves is I cannot get a live person on the phone. And it drives me bananas. Like literally. So my son, one of my sons, mm-hmm. the older one, he woke up one day and his eye was completely swollen shut. And this is my firstborn. I'm freaking out. Like I don't know what to do. I'm on the phone trying to get to a live patient or live person. Sorry. I was I was on hold for most of the time and I was transferred to three different operators. And in the end, I just said, screw this. Like, this is ridiculous. I am going to drive my son Mm -hmm. to the, to the doctors and, and get a live person in front of me. And I do not want that. Like if, if my patient breaks a tooth, um, and they're at an event or what, what have you, and the office is closed, I plan on giving my cell phone to my patients. Like, if you want to text me, like, oh, I'm a little bit concerned about this, shoot me a picture. Like, I want to be that person who's just completely accessible. Like, I don't want you to have fear that, like, if you're at, you know, your your daughter's wedding and you crack a tooth, like, call, I'll, I will come in. And, and, and that's another reason why I wanted to live close Um, I wanted to work close to where I live. Like I wanted to be accessible to my patients Mm because that's something that I value. Because some people say it's kind of risky. Like I've been reading sometimes on threads where um, they don't want to give their cell phone number out because, you know, you do get those upset patients that like, hey, man, my implant is not feeling right. What are we going to do? Hey, it's still not feeling right. My feeling fell out. You know what I mean? And then you kind of just do a bunch of extra work. I mean, we'd like to think that, oh, man, you know, we're going to give our our number out and you know it's going to show we care but not everybody i don't think will take it as like we care they'll just say like all right cool story thank you for giving me your number i'm going to text you whenever i have any issues or my family has any issues i mean like is that some one of your concerns or you know honestly i think it is it, it really isn't one of my concerns because 
anybody who I've ever treated, I always have like a different connection with them. And, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to have the patient who's going to complain about everything, but I would rather have them complain to me than go on social media and give me a blast. Right. Like I, Mm -hmm. if, if you're hurting and it's something that I did, um, I want to know about it. Like I, I really want to know about it. And, and if it's something that I can fix or, or at least, you know, get you through until, you know, until the weekend is over, like I, I really want to be there. And I think all of the doctors who I have worked with personally, who have just nothing but raving fans, um, all of those docs have all been the type of doctor who has said, you know what, give me a call. Like, Mm -hmm. like I'm here for you because when you are charging X amount for a crown, X amount for an implant, like there's a lot of fear, not only, um, like, is my insurance going to cover this? Can I afford it? But what is going to happen if this crown breaks and what is going to happen if, you know, like I can't sleep at night because, you know, there's a lot more inflammation that that I wasn't aware of. Like, I want to be able to answer those questions myself. Like, I don't want you to go to an answering service. I want you to know that that I'm here for you, and and that um, anything that I do for you, like, it's gonna be it's gonna be backed by by me and and not someone else. I'm not gonna delegate that to like a staff member. <laughs> so I think that if you if you feel that in your heart of hearts you can provide a service that you know that the patients just like want and and you treat patients that with respect and honesty like maybe I'm naive but I really think that you know human kindness is never going to go out of style like you will always have there, there, there's always going to be a place in the market for for like a good heart and good service and and people people who really aim to just treat people well. Basically, I think that you can think abundantly. Like you, there's I I mean you you listen to people talk about scarcity mindset versus abundance, thinking in abundance, and mm-hmm. and I think that we can all have a piece of the pie depending on who you are, what your target is, you know, and, and, and what your vision is and and how you treat people. Like I, I really feel that. And, and I don't think that there are, you know, a limited number of teeth to treat. And honestly, I don't treat teeth. I treat people. So yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Cause I mean, how many people are there in the United States and then how many people are there that are dentists in the United States, right? Like there's right. So, so much more people. And then they kind of, dentists sometimes say, well, you know, those are the neglectors. Those are the people who don't come. Well, those are your patients. Like those are the people you want to have in your practice. You just need to find the right, right. marketing and the right advertising to bring them in. Because if they're neglecting, imagine how much like work needs to be done in there. You know what I mean? And eventually it's going to get to a point with that patient that they're going to pop, right? And they're going to have right. some type of pain or something. And obviously, it's going to be even more expensive. So, I mean, use that right. as your marketing. Or what has been the biggest headache this week? So, because I've been so active on social media, like I've been just really putting myself out there. I don't, I don't know if it's 
just a random spammer or or what have you. But all of a sudden, like on my right when I was going to leave to meet my contractor, my phone was blowing up and I was just getting bombarded with one star reviews from all of these different names. Here, I'll even tell you the names. Um, from all of these different names, people whom I had never met in my entire life. Like they, they were just one right after the other. All I think I had five within a matter of one minute. I was like, this is so bizarre. So, and then, so it dropped my ratings. So yeah. um, it dropped my ratings. And, and I had no idea who these people are. So I had to contact um, Facebook. This is also very frustrating. I had to contact Facebook and report each of those individual um, profiles um, to have them take a look at what, what happened. And I, I wanted them to close their accounts because that's just not cool. And a lot of them were actually all of them were out of the country. So, um, hmm. yes, they, I think they were from Spain and hmm. it's crazy. I don't know if it's like the same thing, but I have been getting a lot of like creepers asking to be my friend, like, like really bizarre, like, um, oh, from, gosh, I don't from like say. near Folsom or near, no, like near and near and far. Oh wow, near and far. So, um, do you accept it or no? No, oh. no, because I'll like look at their photos, and all of their photos are like young females who are scantily clad. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! That's I am fam. so not in that same ballpark i don't know what you're trying to trying to do but this is um wrong wrong demographic so i would block them so i don't know if that has anything to do with with like maybe an angry person who wanted to be my friend i don't know <laughs> but i talk to a lot of my other friends who have like either a a travel um channel and they they're like big on social media mm -hmm. and they said that they've also been a victim of fake um, reviews um, and that Facebook doesn't do anything to remove them. I've contacted them, I think, five more times since then because all I said was like, "Can you please remove this? I, it's completely un unwarranted. Like I've never met these people, and 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 honestly, they're ruining my online reputation. And and anyone who, you know, do they write anything or no? They just like. Or one star. No, nothing written, just um, just a, a one star. Oh, yeah, and I'm still strange. waiting to hear back. I'm still waiting to hear back. So, what has been your favorite resource this week? So, my favorite resource this week has been Nifty Thrifty Dentists on Facebook, um, and it was started by Dr. Glenn Vo, and I believe he now has his own podcast, and it's just a great resource where um, you know they're finding all these cool tricks to save money because we all know how expensive you know running a business especially in the dental industry is everything costs an arm and a leg and it's nice there's I think there's there are 1500 plus members in the group and it's just dentists uh, bouncing ideas off of each other on, on, you know, on, um, how you can get things done cheaper or like, um, uh, all that stuff. And, and he actually, he reaches out 
to different companies and um, and negotiates uh, deals on on the group's behalf. So it's it's a really cool really cool um, service that that he's doing. Oh wow! I I never even heard about that. I never even knew Nifty Thrifty Dentist Glenn Vo, right? I've heard of yes, him, but yeah. Glenn what did you find out about yourself this week? Um, this week, I am finding out that balancing being a like what you think is a like a good person and trying not to hurt anyone's feelings, it has to be separated from the business side. So, in a nutshell, like I. I'm finding that as we go along and I'm needing to get more bids on equipment or IT, like I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or feel like I'm not being loyal. And and it's it just sucks. Like it's something that I don't know if I'm taking it a little bit more personally because I'm female and I just want everyone to be happy. But at the end of the day, you have – to look at your numbers and you have to do what's going to be good for you and, and your sanity in the long term. So I mentioned that because, you know, I've, I've mentioned Brian before as my, my um, Patterson equipment rep. And I first met Brian in 2011 and we've had dealings on and off since then. I mean, we haven't like hung out all the time, but since since I started doing this um, startup venture, like he's been there for the CDA convention, like giving me tours to the different companies and, and he's been at the pre-construction meeting and just been in, in constant contact with me and the Serona rep. And, and now that I have this new bid, like I, I don't know, part of me feels guilty if I choose this other guy who's just coming out of the woodwork because, you know, he was recommended to me, but a hundred grand is a hundred grand. That's, that's a big hit. Like, I mean, that's a big change to your bottom line. So, Mm -hmm. so I need to, I needed to just make up my mind and, Mm -hmm. and think about myself and, and not worry about like burning bridges because this is a small community. Um, and especially like in, in this, area like you see everyone at the same events and I I have to look past all that and and make a good decision that's gonna financially make sense because that is me wearing the business hat now and anyone builds up rapport with anybody like they're always gonna struggle with going for the cheaper bid right like Mm -hmm. these aren't just people you meet like on Craigslist once (laughs) You know, what is the main lesson this week you want the audience to take away? Huh, the main lesson being a business owner is hard and it's challenging making decisions where you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or you don't want to burn bridges or you don't want to feel like that person that you're not being loyal because you're trying to save money. Um, and going through all the all the day-to-day stuff like paying bills and categorizing your expenses on QuickBooks and really documenting where every penny goes, like all of that stuff is is the not sexy stuff that you don't think about. And, and you're trying to do all of that while 
getting your your name out there, getting your brand out there. So I've been posting um, more social media stuff. I, I just posted a video of of my why, basically, of of why it was important for me to do this, and and I was vulnerable in it, and I think it, I think. You know, like when when you put yourself out there in social media, yeah, it's it's scary, but I think that it's it's worth it. And and I've been getting so many people who are just contacting me, and like I've gotten so many job inquiries, Michael, already. Mm-hmm. And yes, and it's amazing. Like, oh my goodness, just just people coming out of the woodwork and asking, like, when are you hiring? Like oh. that was just that just makes me feel like so good inside. And these are from people who I've worked with in the past. So that means especially, um, that like that's especially meaningful because they know how I am mm-hmm. in the general office. And I've also had just complete random strangers approach me on Facebook and Instagram um, and ask about like the hiring process and I just I just think it's it's awesome like when when you like being vulnerable is scary and it sucks but it also attracts people to your mission. What is one question you need answered immediately that the audience can help with? What things do you go high end versus things that you can get away with buying on eBay? So for, uh, for intraoral cameras, for instance, I went to the CDA and they have these amazing like intraoral cameras that you can just switch the mode and you can see the decay through the, the light. It's crazy and all the cracks. But that camera is $6,000. But if you mm-hmm. go on threads, a lot of people are spending $200 for an intraoral camera or spending... 25000 on a chair and delivery system versus buying used. And if you buy used, who do you find to um, be your equipment manager to help with the install, to help with, you know, if any, you know, like if, if it's going to break down, like who are you going to get? And, and where do you draw the line between um, a one-year warranty versus just buying brand new and getting a five- or seven-year warranty? So that those are all the things that I'm I'm struggling with now. Just buying new and used and eBay and Amazon and high end and low end and and where where are you finding the most benefits and and where are the things that patients are not noticing the difference. Okay. And what's next? Uh what's next? So hopefully I will be <laughs> I would have made up my mind for equipment. Um I hope that my website will start taking shape and I am meeting with um, the cabinet installer so that should be on the horizon in the near future and I need to get my um, my IT guy chosen so that he can start the cabling wiring process and I went to the space today and they are starting the plumbing so that is all what's next. Oh, and they're um, still doing the heating 
an air, they're putting the vents in the ceiling and all the electrical is getting placed as we speak still. Oh, and they found dry rot. Um, I don't think I mentioned that last time. I think I talked about it, but so they had thought that the dry rot was minimal, that it was probably, you know, just confined to the lower two feet of the building. And when I went there, like literally they had just exposed complete panels. Almost the entire building needs to get um, redone. Mm-hmm. So they talked um, They talked to me about it. They said it was like peeling an onion. They found so much mold and, and the, the wood, you could literally pierce through it with like a scissor. Wow. So I'm glad that they're all, that they're finding all this stuff now, but my budget is definitely taking a beating. And that's another reason why I'm just so, you know, open to, to finding ways of where to save money. And that's the thing. Although you have your dream coming true, obstacles get in the way. They always do. Obstacles like reality. Bills, statements, and invoices, they're still going to need to get paid even before your first operatory room is even ready, even before you open your doors to the public. You see, most companies won't wait for you to start having patients in the door. So this leaves us with many more risks that we didn't think too much about in the beginning. And now that payments are due immediately, even while still demolition is barely going on. This means our budget that we had for the amazing dental practice is starting to be used for rent, monthly bills, and other invoices aside from remodeling and construction. Now you have to play it smarter with the budget, but even then, you still have to bend in ways you didn't think you would have to bend just to finish building, remodeling, and constructing a dental practice. Because if not, if bad comes to worse, you may just go bankrupt before you could even open your doors. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or recommendation, be sure to let Ashley know on any of her social media outlets, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, or email the show directly. All the links and the email address will be in the show notes below. You can find this podcast at the dentalmarketer.site or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate the show or leave a review. And please share. And don't forget to subscribe to know when the latest episode goes live. Also, don't forget to check out our supporters, Facebook Ignite by Dr. Anissa Holmes. Until next week, this is The Making of Smile & Co.